0: Well, good morning, everybody. As we get prepared to open up God's Word, let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father, we, uh, we just thank you so much for, uh, God, just a, a new month and, and a fresh beginning and a fresh start, Lord. and Father, we thank you uh, for those songs that we've just sang, Father, and the wonderful truths that are in them, Lord. And we thank you, God, for giving us your Word and the fact that we can study Uh, 2,000 plus years after it was written, Lord, what you desire, what you want, and that it is still as relevant as as it was when it was first written, and we thank you for that, God. And and as we get the opportunity to uh, just uncover some incredible truths here this morning, Lord, I I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit, who inspired this word, uh, God, that we know is in this place, Father, that he would uh, just be used by you to... Uh, illuminate uh, this word, God, to make it clear to us, Father, and I pray, God, that our hearts would be changed as a result of not what I say, but what you say, and so, Father, we just give this time over to you, and we ask that you are pleased in and through it, and we ask this in your Son's name, amen. Do me a favor, grab your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 8 is where we're going to be today, Romans chapter 8. We are continuing this series that we've been in for a few weeks now, entitled One Month to Live. And what we're doing in this series is we're taking a look at the decisions that we would make in this life, some of the changes we would make if we found out that we only had one month left here on this earth. And today I get to talk on the principle of uh, learning humbly, learning humbly. One of the things that we would do if we had one month left on this earth is we would learn humbly. And of all the principles we're looking at today, this is probably my favorite one, and the reason why is because this one deals entirely with how we deal with the difficult circumstances of this life, how we respond to the tough times in our life. This past week, I got around to reading a book that uh, has been recommended to me uh, by a number of different people on a number of different occasions, but I've never read it until now. Uh, Some of you may have heard of it. It was pretty famous a few uh, years ago. It's called A Grace Disguised. A Grace Disguise, and this book is written by a man by the name of Jerry Sitzer. And about 20 years ago, Jerry went through just an unspeakable tragedy. He was driving late at night with his family in his car, and uh, as he was driving down the road, there was a drunk driver driving on the opposite side of the road. And this drunk driver swerved into Jerry's lane, and he was going 85 miles an hour, and he ended up hitting Jerry's car in a head-on collision. And in an instant, Jerry lost practically half of his family. He lost his mother, he lost his wife, and he lost his four-year-old daughter. Remaining alive in the car were Jerry and his other three children, which he was now left to raise on his own. And this book is all about that experience and the aftermath of it and, and the lessons that he learned from it. And there were a number of things that stood out to me in this particular book. But there's one statement especially that got me in light of the series that we're in right now. And that is, Jerry describes being in the hospital right after the accident, coming to terms with all that he had lost. And he says, at one point, the thought that entered into my mind was, I wish that I had died too. I wish that I had lost my life in this car accident as well. And the reason that struck me is because, you know, in this series, we're looking at things from the perspective of, if you got the news tomorrow that you had one month to live, how would you respond? How would you react? And the assumption I think I've been going off of up until this point in this series is that if many of us receive that news, I think many of us, our initial feeling at least, would be maybe one of fear. Because it doesn't matter how strong your faith is, I think death is something that is scary to a lot of people. But I realize reading this particular book that that may not be the case for everyone. That there may be some of you here that are going through some really difficult tragedy. And if you heard right now that you only had one month to live... Maybe you wouldn't be met with fear. Maybe there would be some degree of relief at that news because it would mean finally there was going to be a release from some of your difficulties. And probably all of us would admit there have been seasons in our life when things have gotten so tough that uh, although we never seriously contemplate taking our lives, if, if we found out that we only had one month to live, maybe it wouldn't be scary news. Maybe it would be met with a sense of relief because it would mean finally there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There's some some relief to the problems that we're facing. And I want to let you know, men and women, that this is not a feeling that is taken away by our Christian faith. Actually, in some ways, it's intensified by it. It's heightened by it. You know, one of the things that goes without saying, because I say it a lot from the stage, is that when you're a Christian, that does not spare you from the difficulties of life. To be a Christian is to go through difficult seasons. And the Bible makes it clear on a few different occasions that it's actually because of our faith, namely our faith in a world beyond this one where all is set right and there is no pain and there is no suffering. It's our faith in that that can actually have the effect of intensifying some of the feelings of difficulty here on this earth. In fact, we're gonna start in a little bit in verse 26 of Romans 8. A couple of verses earlier than our passage and in verse 23, Paul talks about this groaning that we do as Christians. He says, literally, we groan out. We groan in the midst of difficult seasons. And the reason for that groaning is because we know that this world is not as it should be. And we know there's coming a day when all will be set right. And it's the knowledge of that that can actually intensify some of the pain here on this earth. And I have found growing up in the church, I found being a pastor, that it is the difficulties of the Christian life that is probably the hardest thing for Christians to wrap up their mind around. A, a lot of us just can't make sense of the difficult seasons in this life. And when looked at w- from one perspective, it, it, honestly, it doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, one of the things that the Bible tells us is that when we put our faith in God, we become God's children. We get God as our father. And many of us in this room, we have children of our own, and when we become parents, instinctually one of the first roles that we take on is the role of a protector, isn't it? When I became a dad, immediately I knew I want to protect my son. I want to protect him from pain. I want to protect him from difficulties. But part of the frustration that I have as a dad, part of the frustration that many parents have, is I know that I can't always protect Lucas. I'm limited in my ability to protect my children. Well, God doesn't have the same limitations that we do, does he? He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. Listen, if God wanted to, he could have spared Jerry from that tragedy that particular night. He could have had the drunk driver driving down a different street. He could have had the drunk driver swerve in the other direction and hit a tree instead of hit Jerry's car. He could have saved Jerry's wife. He could have saved Jerry's mother. He could have saved Jerry's four-year-old daughter. Absolutely, he could have. But for whatever reason, he chose not to. And that is one of the hardest things about God, isn't it? And it raises a number of questions. And one of the biggest ones is, where is God when tragedy strikes? Where is God when we go through difficult circumstances? When the doctor tells you it's terminal. When the ultrasound technician tells you that they can't find a heartbeat. When the police officer tells you that there's nothing that they could have done because she was found dead at the scene. Where is God when tragedy strikes? Now, those of you who have grown up in the church are used to an answer to this question, we pastors, we love to tell you, I think I've said it before, well, God is there. God is there with you when tragedy strikes. Okay, great. God is there. What in the world is he up to? What in the world is, is, is is he doing? Where is there when we say God is there in the midst of tragedy? Where is God when tragedy strikes? That's the question that we're going to seek to answer today, and, and, and the reason why is because that's the question that Paul answers in our passage for today. We're going to look at Romans eight twenty six through the first part of verse 29, and this is all about where God is in the midst of difficulties. And I, I believe that the truths we're going to uncover today have the potential to be life-transforming because Paul tells us that God is up to a lot more than we might think. We'll pick it up in verse 26. Paul has just told us what I said just a second ago. He's talked about this groaning that we do as Christians, this literal crying out, this groaning that we do when we go through difficult circumstances. And right on the heels of that, Paul says something interesting. He says that we are not the only ones to groan as we go through tough times. He says God himself, God himself through his Holy Spirit, also groans as we go through difficult circumstances. Verse 26. Paul writes, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches the heart knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And you see it there at the end of verse 26. Look at that phrase. He says, the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And what Paul is saying there is that as we go through difficult circumstances and audibly we groan, the Holy Spirit within us inaudibly groans. As we cry out in the midst of tough times, the Holy Spirit within us also cries out with words that we cannot hear. And what Paul says in these couple of verses is that these groans of the Holy Spirit, they actually have a purpose. He tells us that they're actually prayers. They are prayers that the Holy Spirit offers up to God on our behalf. That's what you see in that word intercede, which is repeated twice in that passage, once in verse 26, again in verse 27. We're told that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. And intercede is just a fancy way to say that the Holy Spirit prays for us. He talks to God for us. When we go through a difficult circumstance, when we experience some sort of weakness because of a tough season in our life, we're told that God's Spirit within us prays for us. Now, I want you to think about that just for a second, because that to me is absolutely astounding. If you are sitting here right now, and you are in the midst of a tough season, and who isn't in the midst of some tough season, then we are told that right now, as we speak, there is a conversation that is going on. We can't hear it. We probably wouldn't know it's happening if Paul didn't tell us. But there is a conversation that is going on. And the conversation is between God's Spirit within you and God the Father in heaven. And right now, as we speak, God's Spirit within you is talking to God the Father in heaven. He's praying to God in heaven. What Paul is saying here is he's saying that God prays to God. As we go through tough times, God prays to God. What Paul is saying is that we are never without prayer support in the Christian life. If you're going through a difficult circumstance and you're finding uh, it hard to pray, you're finding it hard to find the strength to pray, you're finding it hard to find the usefulness of prayer, maybe even you're wavering in your faith, there is someone who is praying for you. And it is God's spirit within you. God within you is praying to God the Father in heaven on your behalf. And as amazing as that is, what Paul says as we continue on is even more amazing. Because I don't know about for you, but I hear that God's Spirit is praying for me, and I think, well, I want to listen in on that prayer. I want to know what God is saying, right? What is the Holy Spirit saying as we go through difficult circumstances? Well, we don't have to guess. Paul tells us. At the end of verse 27, Paul says that the Holy Spirit prays in accordance with the will of God. So what is the will of God as we go through difficult circumstances? We find that in verse 28. Paul writes, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Let me read that again. Probably a familiar verse to some of you. Now you see the context of it. Paul says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. And there we find in verse 28 the will of God as we go through tough times. And therefore, there we find the content of the Holy Spirit's prayer as we go through difficult circumstances. If you are struggling right now, the Holy Spirit within you is praying to God and he's asking God, would he work this experience out for your good? Would he turn this experience into something that benefits you? If you've had a tough week, if your spouse came up to you and said to you, I I don't know if I'm in love with you anymore, and I don't know if I want to be with you anymore, if, if recently you lost someone in your family, if you're going through some financial difficulty, then we are told that the Holy Spirit right now has gone to work in a unique way. And he is asking God, God, would you work this situation out for your good? And we're told by Paul in verse 28 that God always answers yes To this prayer. And that's what we see in the first three words of verse 28. How does Paul begin this great truth in verse 28 that all things work out for our good? Does he say, and we think, and we hope, and we suppose, and if the circumstances are right, it will work out for our good? No, what does it say? And we know. And we know in all things God works for the good. Paul is stating a fact here. In all things God works for our good. Now, I want you to note, brothers and sisters, this uh, this does not say that all things are good. There are bad and evil circumstances, and the Bible makes that clear. It also does not say that God causes all circumstances. Evil circumstances come from Satan, or they come from ourselves. But what it does say is that in every single situation, God's Spirit asks that God would work it out for the good, and God always answers yes. And that is absolutely incredible. I told you a couple of weeks ago as I was working on the message that introduced this series that randomly the movie Groundhog Day came to my mind. Well, this past week, as I was working on another message, uh, on this message, there was another movie that came to my mind. And I don't imagine many of you have seen this movie because it's about 15 or 16 years old. Uh, but the movie is called The Legend of Bagger Vance. It's a golf movie. It stars Matt Damon. And Matt Damon plays this character who has fallen on some difficult times. His golf game is suffering, yes, but, but also his life in general is suffering. And by the way, that's usually how it works, right? When your golf game suffers, your life in general suffers. So he's fallen on some hard times. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And so he's out in the middle of the night, and he's practicing his golf swing. And just out of nowhere, randomly, this mysterious character by the name of Bagger Vance, he's played by Will Smith, this mysterious character, Bagger Vance, appears on the scene. And he comes up to Matt Damon, and Matt Damon's character has a golf tournament coming up, and he asks Matt Damon's character, can I be your caddy for this golf tournament? And Matt Damon says yes, and for the rest of the movie, practically everywhere that Matt Damon's character goes, Bagger Vance goes. And Bagger Vance gives Matt Damon advice on a variety of different things, on his golf game, yes, but also on how to be a better man, how to be a better person. And at the end of that movie, Bagger Vance has helped put Matt Damon's life back together. And several people have observed before that the role of Bagger Vance in that movie is a lot like the role of the Holy Spirit as it's described here in this passage. When we face a difficult circumstance, the Holy Spirit, who's always with us by the way, but the Holy Spirit comes alongside us in a very unique way. And he prays for us. He asks God, God, would you make this turn out for your good? And God always answers that prayer with a yes. And that is the incredible ministry, one of the incredible ministries of the Holy Spirit. And so we see here the beginnings, right, of this answer to this question we asked a few moments ago. Where is God as we go through difficult times? Paul tells us God is up to a lot. And he's up to a lot of good stuff. And it is good stuff that he's up to. But there is one very important point in all of this that we need to make clear. And I'm sure that some of you, even right now, you have this question going on in your mind, and that is this. You know, Chris, this verse talks about good. You've talked about the good that God works out. What exactly is that good? Well, that's an excellent question. I am very glad that you asked that question because it's very important. And this is an area that I find a lot of Christians start to go south. Romans 8.28 is actually one of the more famous verses in the Bible. It's also one of the most misunderstood. Because the way a lot of Christians use this verse is they use it as sort of a version of something that's actually not found in the Bible. And that is that old statement that whenever God closes a door, what? He always opens a window. And if you've been around the church long enough, you have Christians say, you've heard Christians say things like this. Oh, you lost your job. Well, don't worry. Romans 8.28. That just means that God has a better job for you around the corner. Oh, you broke up with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Don't worry. Romans 8:28 wasn't meant to be. That just means that there's someone better for you that God has waiting in the wings. Now listen, I have found that God does often operate that way and that's incredible. But that's not what Romans 8:28 is promising. That's not the good that is being talked about here. And we know that as we continue on in this particular passage. At the beginning of verse 29, Paul defines the good that the Holy Spirit prays for and the good that God promises. Look with me at the first part of verse 29. Paul writes, for those God foreknew, he also, and here's the key here, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. And it's that phrase right there, conformed to the image of His Son. That's the good that Romans 8.28 is talking about. When you go through a tough time, the Holy Spirit is not praying, God, you've closed a door, would you now open a window? No, when you go through a tough time, the Holy Spirit is praying, God, would you use this closed door in their life to work out for their good, to make them more like Jesus? When you lose your job, God is asking for you to get a better job. When you lose your job, God is asking, the Holy Spirit is asking, that this would make you more like his son Jesus. What Romans 8.28 is saying is that every single circumstance in our life can shape our character, can strengthen our faith, that can turn us more into God's Son, Jesus Christ. That's the promise of Romans 8.28. And I imagine some of you hearing that are a little bit disappointed by that. In fact, you're more disappointed than I am in my USC Trojans this particular season. And I'm pretty disappointed in them, although last night was pretty good. But this is disappointing news, I know. Because often, the the last thing we think about as we go through difficult circumstances is our character, right? The last thing we think about as we go through tough times is, how is this going to make me more like Jesus? But you have to understand that from God's perspective, this is what matters most. Because this is what matters most in light of eternity. You know, often when we're going through difficult times, what are we praying for? We're praying for physical things, we're praying for material things, we're praying for a better job, we're praying for a spouse, we're praying for uh, healing for us, healing for someone that we love. And if this world were all that there was, this those things would matter most. But this world is not all that there is. And in light of eternity, those things are relatively meaningless because we can't bring those things with us into eternity. There is only one thing that we can bring with us into eternity, and what is it? It's ourselves, it's our character, it's our faith. And that's why God is much more concerned about our character than he is about our comfort. That's why God is much more concerned about who we're becoming than he is about what we possess in this life. And the truth of the matter is, and this is the tough thing, this is the thing we don't like to hear, but there is nothing that shapes our character quite like difficult circumstances. In fact, if we had time here today, I'd do an experiment. I'd have you all take a piece of paper and fold it in half. And on one side, I'd, I'd have you list the top five most difficult seasons in your life. And once you came up with that list, on the other side, I'd have you list those top five seasons where you grew the most, where you, your character was formed the most. And I would imagine at the end of this exercise, we would look at this list, these lists and we would see there's a lot of overlap between the two. There's nothing that shapes us quite like difficult circumstances. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit to pray for us. You know, the Bible tells us that we can and we should come to God on our own when we go through difficult times. So why do we need God's Spirit to pray for us? Paul tells us in verse 26. In verse 26, he has this phrase, he says, we do not know what we ought to pray for. We don't know what we ought to pray for. When we're in a tough time, we have no idea what to pray for. Because often our instinct as we go through a tough time is to pray, God, get me out of this. But you have to understand that sometimes that's not best for us. Because there is more molding and there is more shaping that God can do. And so at the same time that we pray, God, get me out of this, the Holy Spirit within us is praying, No, God, that's actually not best for Chris. It's not best for David. It's not best for Marilyn. God, there is more learning and growing that can be done. And so, God, would you use these circumstances to make him more like your son Jesus, to make her more like your son Jesus? And because God cares more about us than he cares about being liked, God always answers to the prayers of the Holy Spirit. And I can say from personal experience, men and women, I'm grateful that he does. I'm grateful that I don't always get my way in the midst of tough times. I think back to the job that I had before this one. That was a tough job. And I knew really early on that was a tough job. In fact, I can show you. I started that job on May 1, 2010. I can show you my journal. December 29, 2010, seven months later, I said, God, I don't want to be here anymore. Get me out of this. And if God had given me an opportunity that next day to leave, you better believe I would have taken it. But as I was praying, God, get me out of this, the Holy Spirit was searching my heart and saying, you know what, God, that's not best for Chris. There's more molding, there's more shaping that can be done, so use this difficult experience to make him more like your son. And God kept me in that job for another year and a half, and it got tougher. But I stand here today, four or five years removed from that experience, and I'm so grateful I didn't get my way. Because that final year and a half, it it, it made me who I am today. It placed me where I am today. Now, I think I've shared this with you before, but I am not the type that says, and now I wouldn't trade that experience for the world. you got to be kidding me. Absolutely I would trade that experience for the world. That was miserable. (laughs) And if I could learn the same lessons that I learned without having to go through that experience, I would choose to learn those lessons without that experience each and every day. But here's the deal. I'm too stubborn. I couldn't learn those lessons. I was never going to get to my knees on my own. God knew that he had to bring me to my knees. And so God worked it all out for the good, just like he says he would. Where is God as we go through difficult circumstances? Maybe you've always known that God is there. Now we know where there is. Through his Holy Spirit, he is praying for us. He is asking God the Father in heaven to work all things out for the good, and God is always answering yes to that prayer. He is working everything out for our good, which means he is using every single circumstance to make us more like his son Jesus Christ. So what does that mean for how we respond to circumstances? What does that mean for how we respond to the tough times of our life? Well, I think what Paul is giving us here in Romans chapter 8 is he's giving us a choice. He's giving us a choice of what we do when we face difficult circumstances. I observed something very interesting about this passage I would never observed before until this past week. And what I realize is these great truths that Paul talks about, these great things that God does, in no way, shape, or form does Paul give any indication that this is in any way dependent upon us. Do you see anything in this passage that indicates this is dependent upon us? Do you think, see anything in this passage that says, and God will work all things out for the good if we want him to? Do you see anything in this passage that says that the Holy Spirit will pray for us if we allow him to? Do you see anything in this passage that says that God will do all these things if we believe and we trust he will? No. This passage seems to indicate that the only requirement for these things to happen is that we are a Christian. And once we become a Christian, when we go through a tough time, the Holy Spirit prays for us. And when we go through a tough time, God works things out for our good. And there is absolutely nothing that we can do about it. And because there is nothing that we can do about it, as I said, what Paul is giving us in Romans chapter 8 is he's giving us a choice. A choice of how we're going to respond to the difficult circumstances in our life. We can't choose whether or not we're going to go through difficult circumstances. They are a given in this life. And we can't choose how God is going to respond in the midst of difficult circumstances. He's always going to pray for us. He's always going to work things out for our good. What we can choose, for, however, is our attitude in the midst of difficult circumstances. How we respond and react to the difficult circumstances. And the reason I emphasize this point, men and women, is because I am convinced from looking at my own life that I am often my own worst enemy in the midst of tough times. That I make difficult times infinitely more difficult on myself because of how I choose to respond. Let me read to you another quote from A Grace Disguised. Remember what this author went through. In one moment, three generations of his family, gone, his mother, his wife, his four-year-old daughter. A tragedy unlike any of us could ever imagine. But listen to what he says he learned out of this experience. This is what he writes. He says, There is little we can do to protect ourselves from difficult circumstances. They are as inevitable as old age, wrinkled skin, aching bones, and fading memory. There is little we can do to to protect ourselves from difficult circumstances. There is much we can do, however, to determine how to respond to them. We do not always have the freedom to choose the roles we must play in life, but we can choose how we are going to play the roles we have been given. Choice is therefore the key. We can indulge ourselves in self-pity or we can empathize with others and embrace their pain as our own. We can run away from sorrow and drown it in addictions or we can learn to live with sorrow. We can nurse wounds of having been cheated in life or we can be grateful and joyful even though there seems to be little reason for it. We can return evil for evil or we can overcome evil with good. It is this power to choose that adds dignity to our humanity and gives us the ability to transcend our circumstances thus releasing us from living as mere victims. What does Jerry say here? He says, choice is the key. We can't choose whether we're going to go through tough times. We can't choose God's response to the tough times. But we can choose our response to the tough times. On one hand, we can choose, and this is where our principle comes in, we can choose to learn humbly. We can choose to have this attitude before God that says, God, I don't know why I'm going through this. And I definitely cannot see the good that come out, can, can come out of this. But God, I believe because your word says, I believe that you can work this out for my good to make me more like Jesus. So God, I choose to believe that, and I humbly ask that you would mold me and you would shape me in this time. We can choose to learn humbly in the midst of tough times. Or... We can choose to fight God every step of the way. We can choose to kick and scream. We can choose to throw a pity party every day. We can choose to cry out, woe is me, every single step of the way. No matter what, God's Spirit's not going to give up on you. He's still going to pray for you. No matter what, God is still going to work things out for the good. You cannot affect that. But what does change is your quality of life. The degree to which you enjoy the other things on this earth that God has given us. Chuck Swindoll was right. He was right when he said life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we react to it. Life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we react to it. We cannot do anything about the 10%. Every day we get a choice about the 90%. So what are we going to choose? What are we going to choose? On Thursday of this past week, as I was preparing for this message, I was randomly just looking through some photos I had saved on my phone. And I came across one I had saved a couple weeks ago, and it just jumped out to me. We'll put it on the screen. It's, it's kind of an interesting picture. This is actually a picture of a tree that refuses to die. It's a tree that refuses to die. This is a tree trunk right there. Someone obviously didn't want that tree anymore, and so they cut it down, But the tree has refused to die, and he continues to to grow leaves. And as I saw that picture, I thought, what an image of Romans chapter 8. We are this tree stump. Every single one of us has been cut down in life. Every single one of us has suffered loss in life. Every single one of us has gone through a tragedy, some more than others, but none of us have been spared from the difficult seasons in this life. But as Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, even though we've suffered loss, God always guarantees new growth. He always guarantees new leaves. Now in this life, we have a choice. We can choose to focus on what we've lost. We can choose to focus on what has been cut down that we'll never get back again. Or we can choose to focus on the new life that God is producing. I really think, men and women, if we had one month to live, I think we would choose to focus on the leaves, wouldn't we? We'd stop allowing the circumstances of our life to define us, and we'd start focusing on the new growth that God is bringing. So why wait until we have one month to live? Why not start living that way today? To stop focusing on what we've lost and to start focusing on on what we've gained. Only you can make that choice. I can't make it for you. Here's how we're going to close today. I've asked our prayer teams to come forward during these last couple of songs. And they're going to stand at the side of the stage. And if any time during these last two songs you want prayer, we would invite you to come forward and go to one of the prayer people on the side of the stage and they would love to pray for you. And they can pray for you for anything, though I imagine in light of this message, many of you will want prayer for difficult circumstances. In addition to that, we're gonna leave the front of the stage completely open. And if you want to come forward and maybe you don't want to receive prayer for someone, but you just want to pray on your own, then we would love to invite you to come down here. Last night, several people took advantage of that. And you can just kneel here down at this stage and you can just have this this one-on-one with God. And we won't bother you if you do that. This is just between you and God. And as we pray during this time, you know, often, men and women, when we go through a tough time, as I say, we pray that God would change our circumstances. And we can change that, and we, sh- we can pray that, and we should pray that. That's fine. But I wonder, in light of what we've, we've seen here today, I wonder if there's a different prayer that you want to add to that. And that is not just that ch- God would change our circumstances, but that God would change our heart towards our circumstances. That God would change our attitude towards our circumstances. I really think that's a prayer that God loves to answer. So if you want to receive prayer, you can come to the side. If you want to just pray on your own, you can come down here. The rest of us will just stay in our seats and we'll worship during this time. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand with me right now? And at this point, I am going to ask our prayer team, if you can just go ahead, make your way out of your seats and come to the side of the stage, that would be great. Go ahead and do that right now. And let me just pray for us as we enter into this time. Father, we thank you for this truth from Romans chapter 8, God. On one hand, it is incredibly comforting, Lord, to know that you haven't left us, you haven't forsaked us, God. You were always with us. You were always working, even when we can't see it. But on the other side, God, there is a bit of a challenge in this. Will we choose to believe this? And will we choose to live in light of this, God? Father, no matter what, We have this confidence that you will continue to work inside of us. No matter what, God, we have this confidence that you are in this process right now of recreating us, of making us more like your son, Jesus. That's going to happen regardless. What we have a choice in, God, is we have a choice in our attitude. We have a choice in the degree of joy we experience in this life as a result of what we know that you're doing. And so, God, I I pray for every single one of us in this room, Lord, I pray that this week, not only would we ask for you to change our circumstances, but God, we would ask that you change our attitude and our heart towards them. That we would have a new perspective, God. As we said earlier, you are a good God, Father, and and, and that never changes, Lord. And God, I just pray that we would begin to realize that more and more. And so, God, as we enter into this time, Father, I pray that those who need prayer, those who need to pray, God, that, that they would come forward and they would receive that prayer, God, and they would pray. And, Father, I pray that you are glorified in and through this worship because, God, you are so deserving of that. So we love you, Father. We thank you. And we ask all this in your Son's name. Amen.